Hello, I'm Jonathan Mast, and welcome to this edition of the Sedgwick Podcast. Uh, today, we're re- talking about retaining top talent, and we have two of Sedgwick's top experts uh, to hear. Here is my guest this week, uh, Katie Bay, Head of Global Total Rewards, and Josh Smith, Global Head of Talent Management of Sedgwick. Uh, thank you both for being here today. Glad thank to be you. here. Well, obviously this is a huge topic. Almost every day I see multiple articles on this in every industry uh, retaining top talent. And so let's start, uh, let's start with the first question, which are, uh, you know, what are the benefits of organizations offering ongoing professional development opportunities? That's a good question. I, I can take that. And- and really, the benefits are nearly endless, but there are a few prominent ones that I just I, I do want to mention. One, you increase the collective knowledge of your team, um, which is a business benefit to any organization. So encouraging colleagues to train in relevant subjects and applications and advancements in their industry, even if it's an advanced course in, in software programming um, that they use daily, for example, can have an immediate effect on productivity. Professional development can also help raise overall expertise when colleagues with vastly different backgrounds and levels of experience are encouraged to share information together. At Sedgwick, for example, we continue, we support continuing education by offering tuition reimbursement, which also covers the costs of associated um, uh, industry certifications and how our colleagues pursue those. Paying for for colleagues to take a course offered by a local university or technical school can be a very simple and invaluable way to grow skills. We've also launched an internal university called Cedric University with free access to thousands of courses, knowledge artifacts, in conjunction with an annual week dedicated to just sharing knowledge about our business and helping our colleagues connect around growing themselves. It's called uh, uh, Growth Week. Another lever is you boost colleague engagement through instilling greater confidence in job performance and, and, and leadership support. Uh, also, your company, uh, you make your company more appealing to the right kind of in-demand candidates. When you offer the right training and development opportunities, you're building that positive reputation that any employer that cares about its workforce and strives to employ only the best. So customers, clients will benefit too from this high level of, of service that they receive. And then one other piece would be that it's one lever, lever in supporting your retention strategy. Your workers want to feel like they're appreciated and they're making a difference. But they also want to feel like they're gaining expertise and becoming more well-rounded. If, if your team members, if your colleagues don't feel challenged or they sense stagnation in their careers, they'll look for advancement opportunities elsewhere. So lifelong learning exposes your, your colleagues to new experiences and keeps them engaged in their work, which is an ultimate piece of the retention strategy. Thanks, Josh. Those are great points. And I think this next question uh, for you, Katie, uh, is, is really interesting. It's, it's a little long, but we, we can break it down. And, and my question would be, with decline, when we know that declining health can impact an employee or colleague's productivity and ingenuity in the workplace, which then can lead to declining results for individuals and the teams and ultimately the organization. So all that said, in what ways can employers support their colleagues and encourage healthy behaviors so that we all perform better? 
Yeah, it's a great question. It's coming in the up in the marketplace more and more as colleagues are facing different issues in the healthcare or with their health just at uh, the basis of whether it's mental health or sitting at a desk for too long and what that does to a body. And so I think the most important factor here is that there is company-wide programs that support the mental and the health and well-being of the colleagues and to have those tools and resources built into the day-to-day culture and have the resources readily available. I think another thing that we really strive to do with our benefit offerings and encouraging those healthy behaviors is ensuring that you have different options available to where the colleagues or their cover dependents are. And so that means that some colleagues will be readily available to seek healthcare and others are a little bit resistant or based on the this, the standard working hours uh, that exist today, that Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, it's hard to get colleagues in to seek care during those hours. And so having resources and ways for colleagues in the workforce to seek care outside of those standard hours is really important. So uh, making sure that there is tools that they can access that is inclusive of nights and weekends The other thing that we really strive and have put into place at Sedgwick is having an advocacy solution in place. And so the healthcare system in the United States is complicated, and that can be really hard for some colleagues to navigate and may detour them from wanting to seek care. And so with having an advocacy solution in place, which is inclusive of health coaches that can help them navigate, it sort of simplifies seeking care so that they can feel supported in such a complicated system. And so I think a big priority is having an advocacy solution in place. The other thing that we really strive to do is create an ecosystem for the colleagues. And so the traditional medical offerings sometimes can have some gaps of ensuring that we're meeting the colleague at the level they're at. And so let's say, for example, we have a colleague who is diagnosed with diabetes. That initial diagnosis can be really stressful and it can be daunting of like, where do I begin? And so we've implemented different point solutions to help close that gap in the medical medical system so that when somebody does receive a diagnosis that they're not prepared for, we have an additional layer of experts, you know, for example, in the diabetes space that can automatically start helping them on a path to get either to reverse that diabetes diagnosis or get to a healthy day-to-day maintenance of that. And so that means that we'll provide free testing materials for them or unlimited coaching, uh, plugging in support from a dietitian. And so that it is this well-rounded ecosystem that that colleague feels supported in so that they can get on a healthy path and a path forward, feel supported, and get back to work and feel that they're in an opportunity of being really productive. Um, So that's sort of overall the perspective that we've taken of let's not have colleagues feeling discouraged to get care, but make it really easy and a support system for them to to get healthy and to live on that, uh, to live in that on a daily basis. So that's some of the strategies that we've taken from a Cedric perspective. No, that's, that's great. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we were just talking before we came on the air about just the challenges we all face, everything's so busy in life and 
work. And so the last thing you want is for it to be a challenge to get in and take care of yourself uh, personally. So uh, if, jumping back to you, Josh, uh, what options do you see employers looking at to support onboarding, uh, collaboration, and inclusion, return to work, or stay at work and productivity currently in the in the marketplace? Uh, yeah, this is another good question, and, and it's becoming so prominent uh, today as a large trend uh, because we have people who have been moving jobs. We've had, um, you know, as we've called it, the Great Recession um, or Great, um, uh, you know, everyone's leaving their job and going somewhere else, right? And so onboarding has been such a prominent feature to uh, a colleague's experience. Uh, it has, it's not just something that they do once and then don't do again for 15 years anymore. We're seeing a lot more movement. And so this has been such a prominent trend that effective onboarding is looking more like a total first-year experience as opposed to an event that happens on day one or even in the first couple days, uh, which is what it traditionally has been. Now we're looking at that total first-year experience, partly because we want that to also feed into a retention strategy, right? So we want to see those colleagues get fully through a cycle of success at a new organization, culturally, productive-wise, et cetera, and that does take a little bit of time. And the investment we put into hiring and onboarding, we want to see that through at least, at least for a year, right? Um, and there's so many milestones throughout the first year in a workplace that happen beyond the traditional first week that looking at the new colleague experience within the first year helps to effectively design that programming and the resources at the point in time of need for that new colleague. And then recognizing and celebrating those milestones. Let's not forget about them after the first week, right? Um, we, we have to kind of give them that, that warm hug throughout their first year because there's so many things they'll go through. At Cedric, for example, we're working on what we call a year one program. Um, it has an emphasis on the training, resources, and connections. That's a key piece to effective onboarding and collaboration inclusion is connection that enable productivity and connection to the company across the new colleagues day one, week one, month one, and year one. And much of that program is centered around those colleagues feeling included into the company culture, teams, and the work. Speaking of collaboration and inclusion, which, by the way, are two of Cedric's core values and behaviors, uh, Creating resource groups as an avenue for colleagues to connect with others beyond their traditional work teams and hierarchies has been a successful journey in that first year for us at Sedgwick as well. Um, it's an opportunity for them to plug into the company in ways that aren't going to be at their desk level. And then lastly, meaningful time in the office. So if we talk about return to work or stay at work and being in the office, meaningful time in the office is another trend from making the most out of in-person connections. Many organizations are striving to create programming that focuses on the meaningful human connections when colleagues are in the office together, rather than it just being another or a different location to do the same work that they did in their homes. Things as easy as huddles, in-office events, conducting team meetings in person are all deliberate and cost-friendly things that can make being in the office feel more meaningful and different for those colleagues so that they get, they're getting something out of that physical experience of being in the office that's different than, than the work they do every day. So that's, that's been another trend where a lot of organizations are looking at, um, and so is Sedgwick, how do we make that meaningful? We've called ours connection days. We're very deliberate around the fact that we want it to feel like they're getting connections they don't traditionally get at home over our technology. Um, and so 
I know our leaders are, are really doubling down in terms of what can we do to make that a meaningful experience every time those colleagues are in. How do we get FaceTime with each other? How do we learn from each other? How are we productive? The things that, that we miss from being at home, how do we create an environment that our colleagues benefit from that when they're in person? And so deliberate programming and strategies for that is, is really key. Uh, it's, it's very well said. I, you know, obviously the the human connection, something that we're all focusing on as as we continue to to reconnect uh, in, in a way. And and I think one of the things going back to you, Katie, um, you know, we know that stress in and outside of the workplace can take its toll on all of us, both mental and physical, on our well-being. And we're seeing more and more about uh, burnout and the concern. So what kind of initiatives should be implemented to protect colleagues to help navigate new stresses that we, we're we facing more and more each day in seemingly more complicated world, even with all our technology? Yeah, right. And mental health has been such a struggle, and thankfully in uh, the current headlines and so forth, we're all coming together and ensuring that we've got the right support levers in place for for us as we're navigating sort of the complexities of life. From a subject perspective, we really try just, you know, similarly to what I had mentioned earlier about our other benefit offerings, is we really want to make sure that care is readily available based on when the colleague in our workforce needs it. And so we offer mental health um, solutions in a variety of ways because we know that stress can happen at 3 a.m. or we know it can happen on a Sunday or it can happen during a workday. And so making sure that we have different for formats in which we offer uh, access to mental health support in, in many different ways. And so whether that we offer it in a traditional office setting or if it's uh, telephonic coaching with mental health professional or we have the urgent hotlines in place that are there when a crisis happens, or self-guided tools. Uh, very often when somebody's on a mental health journey, it impacts them and hits them at different spots and making sure that we have the different resources readily available so that they do feel that they can get in a, um, the support needed when they need it. Another thing that we do just to really help colleagues navigate the stress of day-to-day -day is making sure that they're using the time away and use their PTO. And so it's, it's this taboo concept of getting away and really allowing yourself to calm your mind. And so ensuring that leadership and our people leaders are really advocating supporting that time away so that us as individuals can reset and get into a, uh, a healthy mental state. Uh, we also understand that life dynamics are different for everyone. Sometimes it's getting childcare that can create a stressor, or it's the financial and do I have a rainy day fund if needed saved. And so we really try to think about the different concepts that create stress for our workforce and how can we implement uh, tools for them to reduce some of that stress. And so if you have an elder parent at home that you're supporting or dependent children, we have uh, care solutions in place so that we can help you as an individual 
um, ensure that you have the right care at home so that you can be productive at work and to reduce some of those life stressors. Or if finance, uh, financials and saving create stressors for you, we have financial wellness tools uh, through our retirement uh, solutions so that we can help somebody get on track out of debt or to save um, in the time of need. Uh, sometimes those solutions can uh, empower an individual and feel that they can get in control of some of those day-to-day -day stressors. So I think it's, you know, introducing a concept where the colleagues in the workforce feel supported in many different areas, and it is a variety of offerings so that based on how stress is introduced into their life, what solutions and tools can we offer to help rid them of those stressors and also ensure that they have uh, access to mental health professionals at any time of day or weekend that they do need it. So I think um, all of those solutions uh, can really help support our workforce to reduce that uh, stress. And then if we can get uh, you know, our colleagues in a good mental health state, the you know, concept being that it will reduce the absenteeism and increase productivity. So um, when we're all in it together and working towards uh, getting to a happy mental state, it will provide for really great results overall. Uh, it's a great answer, and, and I know something that, you know, every day we don't know what someone else is, is probably carrying around, so that whole being it together is, is a great concept for sure. And so as we kind of wrap this up, the last question, Josh, uh, you know, if we look at data from the Pew Research Center, uh, we know each year now millions of baby boomers are retiring, and that knowledge is walking out the door, leaving critical gaps in the U.S. labor force. And so one way to adjust this new reality is uh, mentoring younger workers so they learn by doing. And what is Sedgwick doing at this point in time? Because we know this industry has a long track record of people working 20, 30, 40 years, but then they walk out the door and and they take that knowledge with them. So how are we adapting? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and this is, I think many organizations are, are looking at this. I wouldn't even say that everyone is struggling with it. I think this is a major talent imperative as we think about the kind of uh, turning of our, of our organizations from a from generational standpoint. And Cedric's tackling this in a couple ways. And, and a lot of it has to do with mentoring, but it's also programmatic mentoring, and, and I'll kind of explain what that means. So we've built mentoring programs within our colleague resource groups uh, where veteran members of the resource group can have the opportunity to more broadly mentor other members across lines of business, which is a key part of the mentor. A lot of times we think about the mentorships being um, all about a transfer of knowledge so that we can have business continuity. The, the, the piece about this is also helping navigate beyond the, the tactical or the technical part of the job. And our colleague resources groups are really great at um, aligning mentors across lines of business where we can have colleagues build kind of connection and expertise from others and see the opportunities for careers beyond their linear kind of path. So that, that's one piece. We've done similar mentoring programs, though, um, that are being stood up within key business segments where we know we have tenured colleagues and leaders 
and have the opportunity to develop newer in-career colleagues. So, for example, in our sales organization, that, that is a huge strategy that's being used to help some of our newer sales um, uh, colleagues learn from those who have successfully built uh, Cedric's past and today. And so there are programs being set up there. Um, there's also programs in uh, our Property of America's business that are very similar to where um, they are spending time connecting these people in a physical environment where they can learn from leaders. I think that's the, the next piece is that there's another programmatic way to do it where it's not necessarily a mentor per se, but we've adopted a quote unquote leader as teacher mentality within our leadership academy that leverages leaders with key experiences to be front and center and helping to facilitate some of our leadership programs. Um, this year, for example, we implemented a new leadership circles program and that's all centered around this very approach of leaders as teachers and allows for small mentoring cohorts to be formalized with topics around leadership, around growing leadership capability, not just technical expertise over a six month period. So we recognize that we have key leaders in our organization with leadership experience that we want to um, capture and mentor because they've been successful in their career with that type of experience. Um, and then the last piece is, is we've, we've really start to look at a robust succession planning process that identifies where we have opportunities and captures um, where we need to share institutional knowledge. And, and that's becoming a developmental imperative. So some of this is not just setting up the program, it's actually having a process to identify where we have those opportunities and, and capture that before we, we um, see those colleagues transition and have enough runway in order to capture their knowledge, use them um, to continue to grow our organization and grow others within the organization um, and, and keep some of that knowledge retained. Um, it also is an awesome way to empower those who have um, lots of experience, right? Um, it, recognizing that they have that experience and being able to share it with somebody else is such a huge benefit. It's, it's a huge asset. So not only are we getting the benefit of keeping that, that institutional knowledge or that leadership experience, et cetera, we're getting the benefit of recognizing the colleagues who have served Sedgwick really well. So there's a two-way street in terms of organizational benefit there. And as we continue to find those opportunities, we'll continue to build mentoring programs in targeted areas or set up specific coaching relationships throughout our business where we see um, some, of those, some of those runways starting to, to sunset. And so I think that, that as long as it's programmatically designed into things, it could be such a useful tool. And we're, we're just now starting our journey in terms of discovering that and seeing the benefits of those being mentored. That sounds awesome, Josh. Uh, think couldn't have said it better in uh, preparing for the future, and it's a win-win all the way around. So, uh, Josh, Katie, thank you both. Uh, Great insight and really appreciate you being on the podcast today. And uh, we look forward to you guys uh, joining us again real soon. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you, yes. All right. Until next time, listeners, have a great day.